The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. It seemed like a good thing for us to take a little time tonight to do a forgiveness reflection. And uh, it always might feel a little fake or, you know, just because when we were kids, our parents, parents would say to us, you need to forgive your sister or you need to forgive your brother. And so it always can have this flavor in our mind of something forced or something that we should do. And I, I thought for the reflection, what we want to open up to, it's not something that we should do. It's actually something that we want to do. We really, if we see it clearly, we really want to put down the load of resentment or in any way that we're holding somebody out of our heart. And it's so interesting to see how easy it is to justify keeping somebody out of our heart. I mean, we have all the good evidence that the injustice that has been done I mentioned recently in a talk uh, the sign that uh, Sylvia Borstein saw at her first meditation retreat. You might not know her, but she's a well-known teacher in this lineage of Buddhism on the West Coast. Has written a number of wonderful books. Was one of the founders of Spirit Rock Meditation Center north of San Francisco, a well-known retreat place. And her first retreat, she was sitting there in the living room of somebody's home where the retreat was held. She looked up on the wall and there was a little plaque or something like that that said, life is so difficult, how can we be anything but kind? And this is what, you know, not just once, but many times over and over, we have to discover or rediscover that being resentful or being angry or wanting revenge or basically holding a view that somebody is evil or wrong or bad, it's painful work. Some of you know Annie Lamont, the author. She says, Refusing to forgive is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. It really has, it's, it's a little crazy, you know, how we're burning with resentment or as if it's going to hurt the other person. The Buddha used the image of uh, that kind of anger or resentment. It's like we'll grab something that's red hot to throw at the other person, but who gets burnt first? But of course, when we're really busy at you know, burning with resentment or being closed down, we don't notice the how much pain is being inflicted on the mind and on the heart. And we can continue for a long time. This is from Jack Kornfield. A couple quotes. He says, Sometimes it's not so much about forgiving harmful actions as it is about simply acknowledging that life is difficult for all, full of struggle. 
And then another quote, forgiveness is the heart's capacity to release its grip, its grasp on the past and free itself to go on. And I'm not sure if this is from him or from somebody else about, uh, this is a rough guess at the quote, but something like forgiveness is giving up the need for a better past. Right? Because the past is the past. And there are many, many, many terrible injustices. And you and I and we as a culture, we are living out of those great injustices. And the question is not whether there's some um, remaining pain from those injustices that we specifically have experienced in our life or people have experienced in their lives being oppressed in different ways, marginalized in different ways. But there's a difference between the very real pain that we have experienced and whatever of that pain is still reverberating in our hearts and this very inefficient and effective way of dealing with that pain, which is to hate. But it's understandable that we use hatred or resentment or closing down to manage pain, but it just doesn't work. Closing down, blaming, doesn't help the pain that we're feeling. It's just adding more pain. And it's a, it's a subtle but important point. It doesn't mean that we have, we haven't been hurt or that people haven't been hurt. The question is, what is the skillful way to address the hurt that people experience? The wounds that we have? That's really the question. There's a great story that uh, Jack Kornfield tells in um, his book, After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. It's a good book. The nice thing about this book is, um, some of you don't know Jack Kornfield. He's one of our senior teachers in this Theravada tradition in the West and uh, was a monk in Thailand as a young man and came back and started teaching in the early early 70s and as another one of the founders of Spirit Rock in California and Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts and an author of a number of books. And in this book, he interviewed many, many people from different religious spiritual traditions about having deep insight or mystical experience and then how their life, especially their emotional and relational lives, weren't perfect, even though they had deep insight, you know, deep understanding that there's a lot of laundry left to do, like integrating that deep spiritual insight into raising kids. Like, what does that look like, raising kids or having a lover or living in a society that's, you know, imperfect? And uh, what does that freedom of non-attachment look like when we have responsibilities and duties to address the world, make the world a better place? In any case, he had this amazing situation where I think he was riding one of the trains in the East Coast going to visit, I think his family's from Philadelphia. And uh, he happened to sit next to somebody 
who was like a social worker in the Philadelphia area, who knew this story and told him this story that's just an amazing story about a woman whose son was killed by some random act of gang violence in, I think, Philadelphia. And uh, he was a young boy, you know, like 13, 14. And uh, the person who killed him was also a young teenage boy. And uh, she was there at the trial. And uh, he was a juvenile. So he, he got a couple years in juvenile detention or whatever it was. And uh, after the trial, somehow she had the opportunity to say a few words to him. And it was something, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but something like, uh, oh wait, I do have the quote here. <laughs> something about, I'm going to kill you, that she said to this young, this teen. And then he was carted off to juvenile detention. And after a while, she had the the wherewithal probably because she was sensitive enough to notice how much the pain that she was experiencing from the loss of her son and how hating this person or wanting to kill this person or doesn't not thinking it's fair that this other person continues to live when her son's dead, like how painful that was, that hatred was, that ill will was. So she had the wherewithal to stay connected with this man and started to visit him. And not really understanding why she was going to visit him, but just visiting him and then bringing him some treats and other things. And uh, after a couple years, pretty regular visits when he was getting out, uh, asked him like what his plan was and he didn't have a plan. So she worked with people she knew and found him a job and said, where are you going to stay? And he didn't know. And she said, well, do you want to stay with me until you figure it out? So he was sort of a late teen now, 18 or something like that, 17, and uh, moved in and uh, started living with her. And then about a year, I'll just read what it says, somewhat like a year after he started living with her, she they sat down together and she said to him, do you remember in the courtroom when I said I was going to kill you? And he responded, I sure do. I'll never forget that moment. Well, I did, she went on. I did not want the boy who could kill my son for no reason to remain alive on this earth. I wanted him to die. That's why I started to visit you and bring you things. That's why I got you the job and let you live in my house. That's how I set about changing you. And now that old boy, is he's gone. So I want to ask you, since my son is gone and that killer is gone, if you'll stay here. I've got room and I'd like to adopt you if you'd let me. So she became the mother of her son's killer. So that's just an amazing story about the power of reconciliation and, and the wisdom of letting go of hate. I've really seen it doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't go anywhere except a contraction. Now, we may not have a kind of dramatic experience of loss or trauma like the woman that I just mentioned, but you know, we, even those of us who've had a pretty privileged life, we have our share of disappointments. 
And it's very easy for us when our heart hurts to want to blame. Have you noticed that when it really hurts, for whatever reason, it's like you want somebody else to hurt. Mostly we don't admit this consciously to ourselves. But if we watch our behaviors, we often want to hurt somebody else when we're hurting. So part of this um, this great letting go of forgiveness is realizing I don't want to be that person who's holding on to this dead weight in my heart. I don't want to be that person anymore. We have some intuition that there's another way, that that's possible. But we don't know what that looks like. It's a little scary because we've gotten so identified with being the aggrieved person, we don't know who we are when we're not that aggrieved person in that particular place in our life. What does that look like? And this is so important. Those of us who've been in intimate relationships for a long time or have siblings or children or people at work or even groups of people that you know, we feel have oppressed us or harmed us in different ways. It can just be there smoldering and it's so, in a sense, commonplace in our mind, we don't notice it anymore. We don't notice what it's doing to the mind and heart. All day long, it's there. Unless it's seen clearly and not just maybe in one go at it, but many, many goes at it, many, many times opening to it, we begin to go through the process of letting go. I'm not, I don't want to be that person anymore. And this is really at the heart, regardless of the spiritual tradition, this is really at the heart of spiritual practice, is going beyond all conceptions of separation. And how do we do that when people really are unskillful at times? You know, people act out their ignorance in ways that cause a lot of harm, a lot of suffering. So how do we relate to people who are being unskillful without harboring resentment? And it's really about having the capacity to notice the pain we're experiencing to understand the causes for it, and to distinguish uh, the pain from the person, right? Like, what is a person anyway? What are we? We're just somebody acting in each moment through the lens that we have in that moment, right? I don't choose the lens I operate out of. And sometimes my lens is has a lot of bias in it or a lot of ignorance in it, a lot of limitations. So we can distinguish when we uh, bring to mind our own mistakes in the ways that we've caused harm to others and the ways that other people have ca- caused us harm. We can understand and acknowledge truthfully with compassion the pain that we're feeling and we can understand the person and we don't have to link 
like because I'm hurting, you need to hurt. It's almost like this idea that if I don't make them hurt, they're going to get away with something. And there will be some kind of cosmic uh, imbalance that I'm not making them hurt for making me hurt. It's like we're the arbitrator of all karma. We've got to make sure people get their just desserts. And boy, that's a heavy trip. I mean, talk about suffering. I'm sure you've seen this in your close relationships because sometimes we do feel like that is our responsibility, that when somebody is inappropriate in some way, it's my responsibility to make sure that they suffer the appropriate consequences of being bad, of being wrong. But the thing is, the way karma works, when somebody's actually being wrong, even though they might not notice it, when we're being unskillful, when we're being hateful or greedy, disconnected in some way, the wound, the karma, happens immediately. It's the imprint in the heart itself. It's right there. Nobody escapes karma. So if we're acting inappropriately, it harms us. So we all have built into the system the incentive to heal the wounds of the past, both our own inclinations to act unskillfully and our inclinations to hate those around us who have acted unskillfully or we assume have acted unskillfully. Here's some, before we do this reflection together, here's some points that Jack Kornfield makes. He says, uh, in terms of understanding forgiveness, we need to understand what it is and what it isn't. So forgiveness is not about condoning unskillful action. It's not about some superficial or sentimental thing. You know, like, even though there's some truth to it, it's just too simple to say everybody's doing the best they can. Because being forgiving doesn't mean we don't speak up and tell the truth or even raise our voice, right? Because sometimes that's an act of compassion for ourselves and for others to, to speak up loudly. And the other thing he says is forgiveness is not about the other person. That's the point I've been making. It's really about what we're seeing in our own heart. We practice forgiving because of the effect on our own heart. And the fact that it might also benefit somebody else, that's like a secondary virtue of forgiveness. But the the deeper understanding of forgiveness comes from sensing what's right here in our own heart. The second point Jack Kornfield makes is that suffering in our heart is related to our holding on Right, so we can feel the weight. We need to feel the weight and we need to sense into it the release of forgiveness. Because it's the knowing the weight that inspires the letting go. And this is a basic principle in the Buddhist teachings in this path of awakening. You want to wake up, you want real freedom, real love in your life, real wisdom in your life then the key is to be willing to turn toward 
to see clearly exactly what you don't want to turn toward and see clearly. Because the cause for wisdom and love, forgiveness, basically everything that's good, is opening to what we don't want to see and don't want to feel. Right? Because we're realizing the heart, realizing the mind, the understanding that's not afraid of feeling and seeing what there is to see and feel. That's the freedom. We have to realize the heart that's not afraid to own the mistakes we've made. Not afraid to put down the story that that person shouldn't have done that or those people shouldn't have done that. The Buddha talks about the uh, what comes with uh, loving kindness when we bring that into our lives more and more. And it's really a nice list. We sleep easily, wake easily, have pleasant dreams. The angels, the celestial beings will love you. Animals will love you. The celestial beings will protect you. <laughs> External dangers will not harm you. There's an example of, you know, a story from the time of the Buddha where uh, one of person who was uh, trying to get rid of the Buddha um, got one of, you know, they used elephants at that time as a kind of military tank for wars and armies, right? Elephants were trained to be part of the battles. And so they got the army's best elephant and they got it drunk. And they knew the Buddha would be walking down this relatively narrow uh, alleyway or road. And they got the elephant drunk and then beat it. And it charged down the, the alley to crush the Buddha. And uh, Ananda, the attendant of the Buddha, sort of stood in front to protect him. And the Buddha said, Ananda, go away. <laughs> you know, I'll take care of this. And so the story goes that the Buddha radiated loving kindness to the elephant, and the elephant slowed down, got down on its knees, and the Buddha put his hands on his forehead. It's a nice story, and maybe it's true, too. (laughs) But there are all kinds of stories. People who have done more direct, regular loving-kindness practice, forgiveness practice, especially in places in their life that have felt really... Now, you might not be able to go directly to the person. It may not be appropriate or you may not feel safe. But in the quiet, in the safety of our own home, we can cultivate, we can realize that I want to forgive myself for holding the resentment. And I don't want to hold in my mind this red-hot coal, which is, you're bad. Right? Who wants to hold that thought about another human being? for decades, or even an hour, you know, you're bad. It's like whenever you're in an argument, notice how much work and how toxic it is to hold a really negative, simplistic, and narrow view of another human being. It takes a lot of work. It has all kinds of negative, it's like anything in the mind, it attracts like things, right? So if we have a really negative idea, all the other negative ideas that we're inclined to have, they sort of gather around too. It's like a lot easier to hate a lot of other people when 
who are angry at one person. The other thing about forgiveness that Jack Kornfield mentions is that we can always write another chapter, right? It's an ongoing process. So it's not like we got to get it right the first time. We can just do a little bit more and a little bit more and try it again and bring the person to mind again, bring ourselves to mind again. So we're working at transforming our understanding from an understanding that makes it easy to separate, to throw people out of our heart, good and bad. And sometimes we're the bad one, right? And other, the other is the good. But it's that separation as opposed to looking around the room Instead of thinking that we're all angels in this room, what we should recognize is we all have sensitive hearts. And sometimes when the sensitive heart is frightened, overwhelmed, we act in ways that harm other beings. We have all harmed other beings. We have all been harmed by other beings. right? And all of a sudden we feel like we, we belong together or that we can connect. Even though our lives may have been very different, our experiences may have been very different. Some of us have had a really privileged life. Other people have dealt with a lot of trauma or oppression or difficulties. But we all have sensitive hearts. And these sensitive hearts have been touched, impacted by life, by the joys. In Buddhism we say the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. So let's, there's more to say here, but I want us to take a few minutes of silence to take a look at the handout, just so you can collect your thoughts. And then I want to open it up to the group and the wisdom that you've gained over the years around forgiveness. Even questions are okay. But let's just look at the two reflections and then have a few moments of silence. So the first one is all about understanding our direct experience of non-forgiveness. Right? We can't really understand what the letting go of forgiveness is without understanding directly in our heart what it means to not forgive. And think in just little ways and start there, like places you feel justified holding anger, holding resentment, like a certain politician that Because, right, it seems so appropriate to hate certain people. So you just might scan through your life and where are those people that you feel completely justified in hating? And then examine whether you're doing yourself or anybody any good in that way. Like, what are the implications of justifying throwing that person out of your heart? And then the, the backside, and you can read through this on your own if you need sort of some help by generating some thoughts, understanding the experience of forgiveness. So now you're just going to scan through your history, your experience as a human being, and really look at those places of forgiveness, of great healing. Maybe somewhere in your family there at some point was a real division, a real betrayal, a real separation, and then maybe over time it got healed. So then really examine that whole process. What does that healing feel like? What's 
the reverberation from that healing that took place in that relationship? What were the supporting causes for those places of healing and forgiveness in our lives? Okay? So let's take about five minutes. Feel free to jot some notes down. Then I'll, we'll have this mic and, um, we have time, you know, 15, 20 minutes and time to hear from maybe 10 people or so. So this summer I had a job that turned out to be really bad. My boss, my director, was really critical, turned out to be a micromanager. Um, I was brought in as a manager to run the lab, and she was supposed to delegate delegate things to me, and it was really hard for her to let go of responsibilities. And in the beginning, I, you know, I could separate that and see that you know she was uh, having a hard time letting go things and um, really had to but I had to really work on not taking it personally knowing that that was her and that was her stuff but as the months went on it started getting worse and worse and then it started creeping into my own stuff from working on the shame of me being not a good person and not being a good manager and that and so I I can't get past the, it's the anger isn't quite there anymore, but that shame part is where I'm stuck, so that's kind of a tricky spot. But in the beginning it was good because I could do that forgiveness part and separate it out, but now it's really kind of sticky and I'm kind of stuck in that spot yeah. even though I've been gone since September. But it might be more about your own forgiveness of yourself, you know, like uh, unpacking I mean, this is so much a part of the, the path of, not so much a path of per, uh, perfection, but more of a descent into the reality of having a conditioned mind, a mind conditioned by culture, an imperfect culture. And, uh, and then all that emotional baggage from sort of living in this world, and there it is, and it's really messy. And it's humiliating. And, but there's a lot of power in letting reality humiliate the mind. There's a lot of healing, right? Because it strips away this, um, strong addiction we have to perfection, becoming this, like needing ourselves to be perfect and needing other people to be perfect. So you might, that, that, it's like a teacher that that situation, it lingers. Like you said, Trish, that there's something underneath there that is asking for attention. Can it be okay that I'm not good enough? No. <laughs> and then, can that be okay? You know, that I don't feel safe not being good enough. Because that's a, that's a heavy burden to be judging ourselves for not being good enough. A lot of this forgiveness work is self-forgiveness. That's why we, we started a course, um, Jane and Jean, two of our regular teachers on self-compassion because it's sort of, there's several books out now and it's kind of the thing. And the phone is ringing off the hooks because everyone wants to take self-compassion because on some level, 
we realize that there's no going forward in life and spiritual practice unless we address this sort of inner pain. Yeah, thanks, Trish. Other sharings, Jeremy, and then we'll go back to you afterward. So I um, had a friend that I grew up with. Um, I don't actually remember ever meeting her. We've just known each other our entire life, lives. And um, we were very, very close growing up. And um, as she, um, you know, became an adult and got married, um, kind of she changed a lot of her belief systems. And we found that we were kind of in conflict and it came to a head about six years ago where, um, you know, she said some things that, that hurt a lot. And um, I made the choice to just basically exactly what you said, kind of like cut her out of my heart uh, for six years. And um, over that six years, I was always bothered by it. And um, I made a few attempts to kind of, you know, I would think about, if I could like write her a letter, what would I say? And like, so I, I tried that a number of times. And um, this year in particular, um, I just felt like the disparity between what I'm learning and experiencing here uh, and holding on to that hate um, just was not working for me. Um, and I just felt like such a bad Buddhist, you know? Like, how could I? How could I be? you know, here and, and having this lovely experience and still having that tightness. So I um, I decided I would write her a letter, and it was three pages of just terrible, awful stuff that I wouldn't want anybody to read and realized as soon as I wrote it, I couldn't send it. But it was probably good to get it out. And, um, and then she had kind of just opened to me very uh, briefly on some text messages uh, you know, kind of maybe testing the waters. And so I just wrote back and um, told her that I had been hurt and I didn't know how to respond, but that, you know, I, I didn't want there to be any uh, distance between us. And her first response to me was just, please forgive me for my stupid and unkind words. And it was like immediately that six years, just it was uh, both of us were kind of able to release it. And uh, we've had a couple, like, several-hour conversations since, and it's just the sweetest thing ever um, to have that restored. And, you know, we didn't even need to get into the nitty-gritty about what happened because we both were there, and we know, and she was honest in, in uh, asking for my forgiveness, and it was easy to give at that point. So, Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, there's a woman in the back here. Yeah, those places where there was he- that there has been healing, they're kind of sacred spaces. You know, we think of sacred spaces where there's a temple or a you know, cathedral, but it's really in those relationships where there was great pain, or and then they got resolved. Those are the sacred spaces. Yes, please. I was hoping you could talk about um, situations in which we're not blaming another person. We might be blaming God or the universe or with things like, why did this happen to me? I'm thinking about like um, your body failing you and getting sicknesses or infertility problems or that kind of thing. Um, 
I'm hoping you can kind of address that and how to grapple that and while also blaming yourself for those things as well. Yeah, because anger needs an object. It's try to be angry without a something to be angry at. You really need the object. And the story that's told in the tradition is somebody rowing a boat across a river late at night and they ram into another boat and they start screaming, you idiot. And then they take their light out and they see there's nobody in that other boat. And the anger immediately goes away. That boat was just floating around and they ran into it. So it's like we need a somebody to be angry and that somebody might be God or it might be the world but we're still personifying that thing, whatever it might be, my body. So it's really the same. And it's not about the thing that we're blaming. What we're really looking at is the activity of being angry, being resentful, blaming, right? We want to look at what that activity is. And that's the hardest thing because it's really unpleasant but there's no letting go without opening to it. We have to be willing, and like I mentioned, it's often in little steps, but we have to find our way back to that simple recognition, it feels like this, my heart feels like this. And this particular story or situation that comes to mind, it feels like this. It's hard like this, it's heavy like this, it's hot. But whatever it is, it hurts like this. It's only when we really see that it hurts that it's clear. I mean, it seems so obvious. We know we need to let go, but it's a whole different thing that when we really feel it, the knowing that it needs needs to let go, it isn't theoretical. It isn't abstract. The mind understands it in a in a real way, and it lets the heart lets go, or at least begins the process of letting go. So that's, you don't need to worry about where it's directed. Look at what it feels like in the heart. Look at, in particular, the ouch. It hurts like this. And you could start with just an open question. Does this hurt? Just an honest, sincere question. Does this hurt? Yeah, it hurts. How do I know that it hurts? Well, there's this. And then bring the attention right there. Oh, can this be okay? Not do I want it, because clearly you don't want to feel it, but it is here. So is it safe to get close to that ouch? Is it safe to be relaxed or receptive to that ouch? What happens if I do that? That's the exploration. Other thoughts? Yeah, way in the back here. Could pass it behind you. Yeah, I don't usually talk about this in front of a group of people, but there's someone from my past. Can you hear me? Um, okay, good. I've got to hold it right. Um, so I don't usually talk about this in front of a group of people, but um, I think it's worth sharing. Um, there's someone my, from my childhood that um, I had been very angry with. Um, and I could probably justify my anger and I acted out on it in many ways um, during certain times of my life and um, I realized at one point 
where I was kind of um, letting go of a lot of armor that I had been carrying around and wearing um, that, you know, she was just doing the best that she could with what she had. Um, It might not have been very good, but she was just doing the best she could with what she had. And that allowed me to very easily forgive her. Um, And then I also looked at myself and realized that, you know, I've just been doing the best that I can with what I have. And (laughs) that led me to the realization that we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. The person who cuts you off in traffic, the um, cashier who's grouchy, like we're all just kind of dealing with life and doing the best with the tools that we've been given. And um, I really don't think that anyone does intend to harm another person. Um, and it's made it much, so much easier to let things go. And then that sort of developing principle in your mind and probably in a lot of our minds that everybody's doing the best they can then that's some information when something bigger happens or we're right in the beginning stages of being betrayed. When we don't want to remember that everybody's doing the best they can. And then that's a counterweight to the force of habit that wants to blame or wants to hate. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So right there, yeah, and then to Spruce. Uh, My name is Tom, and... This is a work story. Uh cost me my career partially. I had someone who was assigned to work with me, and I used to work entirely on my own, but I needed help, and I asked for it. And this person was very frightened. She didn't have the background that I did and so there were many things you know I I didn't ask her to take over the main part of the job but to take over like preparations it was a teaching job and I couldn't help but get angry because she wasn't able to be to perform and I had a a moment actually right here in this room where I realized I needed to be forgiving and kind and the relationship completely changed for the better for several months and then later on when I wasn't performing well she made accusations about things I had said that weren't true and I was investigated for it um and because of an illness that I have and other things, I ended up leaving my career. And it's very hard for me to see this person as not doing things to save herself. And that was really the beginning of some of the healing for me was like 
I learned enough about her past that I knew that she had been places over her head quite a bit of time. And as a result, I started to think, would I have done the same thing in that situation if I had been afraid of being able to feed my family and losing my position because I couldn't perform in the way I had told the hiring managers that I could perform, that would I maybe do something like that? And it's not enough, but it's a start on forgiveness for me. And remember, it's not so much figuring out the other person, why they did it, whether they had reasons, because everything is lawful. People have reasons for everything. So the the real question is, what am I going to do with this pain in my heart? What is the skillful thing, skillful way of relating to the pain in my heart? And we'll see directly, it's not rocket science. Every time my way of dealing with that pain in my heart is to bring that person to mind and to be upset, I'll notice it's like, you know, jabbing arrows into my heart. It hurts. Every time we revisit it in that particular way, it hurts. So then the question is, why does, why do we do that? Why do we keep picking up those painful places, tell ourselves a story that hurts our heart? What's being missed? Like, what is the mind not seeing in that moment? And there's something about the juiciness. Like, when we have a drama like that, where we've been betrayed, there's some real, even though it's extremely painful to revisit the story, on the other hand, it's juicy, right? There's some, like, energy, self-righteousness, or whatever you want to call it. And it reinforces the sense of self. So what we have to play with is like uh, there's an alternative to that strong sense of self we get when we play out our dramas, which is, let's just uh, make it opposite, like a cool sense of not knowing, right? an open quality of the mind. And we have to learn that we actually prefer that place of humility of not knowing who's good, who's bad. We actually prefer that place than the certainty of self-righteousness and hatred. Thanks, Tom, for sharing. And we have time for Spruce and then maybe one person from on this side. Okay. Yeah, so I... Um, can, can you hear me? Okay. Um, I'll speak up. I... Well, I, I just I wanted to share a little. My biggest uh, forgiveness story is with my former husband, who I was married to for 21 years. We have a daughter. We've been divorced for 25 years. And the first few years after we got divorced, I just, I wanted to fix it all up. I wanted us to be friends. I wanted things to work well. And there was just a lot of pain. And I had to hurt just an incredible amount to get to the point where I just started saying, you know, I just don't want to hurt. If we're not going to be friends, that's fine. However it is, is fine, but to just get out of the pain. 
And when I was willing to be with the pain and to not try to reinvent it, things started shifting. And we have just this wonderful relationship now that we're not married to each other. And we can still push each other's buttons, and I can see that and go, right, that's why we're not married to each other. <laughs> but, but, I, I can, but I can see the beauty in him. And so what I want to look at now is, and I won't go into it much because we don't have much time, but I realize that I, I've been pushing my sister out of my heart. And I'm not, and it's kind of like you were talking about earlier. I think I want her, I don't want her to ever judge me again. She's my big sister, like good luck. Um, and I'm going to judge her too. And I just, I don't want to try to figure it out. I just want to be with how much pain I'm in around the fact that I've put up a wall and I don't even need to know why. I just know that the pain is there and that I am really willing to let go of that one too and just feel it and see what happens. Thanks, Bruce. We're going to go all the way. Was there somebody over here that wanted to speak? Over here? Okay, sure. And the, right on the chair here. And then we'll take a short break after this. Hi there. Um, so I didn't want a pen and then I had a total mind dump. So... <laughs> then ended up writing a lot of things and um i kind of uh have a habit of just looking at suffering as invitation and have been pretty interested in forgiveness for a while just because there's constant slights whether the most subtle thing or the most profound heartbreak uh and so i just wanted to share some thoughts that came to me tonight um i used to look at like if you want to call it like you know, the perpetrator, to be really, sounds a little bit loaded, but the person who's hurt your feelings. I used to judge people differently based on the severity of the offense. And now I just see that it's all part of the same continuum. So it's really just being cut off from the source or from truth or from love, but just to different degrees, depending on the person or the situation. And so because of this, it's never personal. So if somebody, even if somebody singles you out and says, I hate her and I'm going to make her life miserable, what the the forces that even planted that seed in their mind as a possibility far predated you. So in reality, it it really has nothing to do with you. You just happen to be the person there at that time where the situation came up. Um, and so I think to see this, you first have to let yourself grieve the impact of the negative energy that was directed your way, even if it isn't personal, because we're all so human and you can't help being wounded by somebody's negative energy. Uh, other thing I think is helpful to understand is that there's an aspect of each of us that is not affected by anything that anyone does that can't be hurt, even if the most human side of us can be totally broken or severely wounded. And so I think before you can see those things, you have to give yourself enough time to grieve. But if you can hold them as a knowing while you're grieving, I think that's helpful too. And once you grieve enough, you get enough support, have enough compassion for yourself, then you can see those more clearly and you ultimately just see the other person's broken and you feel compassion. And so even though you might set boundaries with them, you might cut them out of your life, in seeing how broken they are, ultimately there's just this natural movement of compassion. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. I think we should end here just so that we can have our potluck in a few minutes. And if you're able to just sit for another 10 minutes, let's do a, of 10-minute forgiveness meditation. So 
Peter or somebody turn the top two lights off or lower down. And just sit comfortably if you can. Thanks. And this is a practice you can take up. It just gives a little structure to the forgiveness practice. And I'll be giving some phrases out loud and then you might find it useful to repeat the same phrase or something like that silently in your mind, in your heart. It's useful to begin the forgiveness meditation by remembering this very simple truth that it's not easy being a human being. It's not easy having a sensitive heart a vulnerable heart that's touched by the joys and the sorrows that we meet in life. And let's begin by bringing to mind a situation where we hurt somebody or cause some harm. And maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't, but Bring this particular situation to mind as if you were right there with that person or those people. And you might say something like, you know what, it isn't easy being a human being. It isn't easy getting caught in fear, getting caught in desire. In fact, it's easy to make mistakes. Easy for me to act in ways that cause harm. So I'm asking you to please forgive me for any harm that I might have caused. Please forgive me. So now just on your own a few more times, as if you were speaking directly to this person. Just practice asking for forgiveness. And then you can bring another situation to mind where you've caused some harm from long ago or recent history. Take the time to remember the situation and then when you feel ready, two or three times, practice asking for forgiveness.
And then let's bring to mind somebody who's caused us harm. And it's perhaps best not to bring to mind the most intense pain. And as you bring this person to mind who's caused you some harm, remembering that it's not easy for them to be a human being either. In fact, it's easy for this human being to get caught up in fear or confusion or greed or some afflictive state. Easy to make mistakes. And knowing directly that I'm ready to put down the load of resentment. So as best I can, I'm going to forgive you for any harm that you've caused me. As best I can, I forgive you. So in your own words, in your own way, practice offering forgiveness to somebody. best I can, I forgive you. And then take the time, bring another situation to mind, somebody that's caused you some pain, some harm. Remember the situation, have a felt sense of this person, and then when you're ready, as best you can, offering forgiveness to this person. Take a little time now to forgive ourselves. You know, all the ways that we haven't really been there for ourselves. Been an imperfect caretaker for our own life. Caused ourselves harm. Acted out our bad habits that are self-destructive. I do care about this life and I forgive myself as best I can for all the harm that I've caused to myself and caused for others. As best I can, I forgive myself. Use your own words.
making peace with being an imperfect human being. And then just sensing all the convoluted, complicated conflicts between lovers, between siblings and family members and partners, colleagues and neighbors, between nations and races and classes and between species, all the mistrust, all the anger, all the hurt, all the revenge. I care about all of this pain. I care enough to be close, to include So we're realizing the heart, realizing the mind that can say, yes, it's like this. This world that I live in, this world of relationships that I live in, it's like this. Complicated, beautiful in moments, divisive and hateful in other moments. And being right in the middle, being open, we let the basic goodness of the heart arise. May all beings be free from suffering and free from the causes of suffering. May all my dear ones, my loved ones, be free from suffering and free from the causes of suffering. All the people here in this room, sensitive hearts right here in this room with me, may we all be free from suffering, free from resentments, free from the underlying causes of the suffering. All those with real power in the world, and all those without much power in the world, may you also be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. We'll just take a few more minutes and feel the heart opening up whether it feels raw or hard or beautiful in some way, expanding to include all beings and all the different situations they inhabit. Wishing peace and love and well-being Peace, love, 
and ease. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.